0: This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 182.
1: Anytime you find yourself saying, well, only if then, or only when this happens, then I can do X, Y, Z, that I always, always stop and question it. It may end up to be true somehow, but most of the time there are ways around it, or there are ways to start a smaller version of that from right where you are.
0: This is Happen To Your Career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow.
2: I'm an engineer who was living in Portland, Oregon, and was moving up to Seattle, Washington to support my wife's career change.
0: This is Michael. He's made career changes before, but this one was
2: different. A lot of the folks I talked to using sort of my normal channels were often saying, hey, we'd love to have somebody like you on the team. Unfortunately, we just let three or four people just like you go because there's not enough work to go around anymore.
0: Listen for Michael's story later in the episode to learn how he used coaching to help him figure out what fits him and make the change
2: to work he loves. You have somebody in your corner who's looking out for your best interest, they're pushing you to be the best version of yourself and to stretch and grow yourself consistently towards that best self.
0: This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. We get to bring on experts like Andy Malinsky, who helps people stretch outside their comfort zones, or people that have pretty amazing stories like Jessica Rhodes, who started her own virtual assistant business to stay at home with her son. These are people that are just like you. They've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. And they're also people that are just like our next guest, Jenny Blake.
1: I primarily say I'm an author that I wrote a book called Pivot and I do coaching, speaking, and consulting related to that.
0: In my Jenny's conversation, you get to learn how to actually stop holding yourself back by waiting to have all the time in the world for things to happen to you. And even in particular, how to use constraints that a day job puts on your career change as a positive rather than a negative and make it easier rather than harder to make the change and how and why creating an ideal day map for yourself will help you pivot to reach that success in that's that's pretty cool take a listen for that about three quarters of the way through the episode and even the importance of the scanning process for your career change and what even a scanning process actually is and how it can help so all that plenty more
1: so i realized that What I really love are big ideas and simplifying complex topics like change, like how to answer the question, what's next. And from those big ideas everything else that I love to do and that I do to earn a living. And one of my favorites is keynote speaking, actually. So really? I love keynote speaking more than I enjoy the process of writing a book. But I like, of course, having written a book and then have that be the platform.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. I've talked to so many authors and I don't know, I've probably, we've got a lot of books that we've shared with our audience, but haven't necessarily gone through the publishing route. And we plan on doing that over the next about a year and a half, 18 months. So I've been asking authors and I keep getting that same response. It's like, well, I love having written a book. <laughs> and that apparently seems to be the common theme with a lot of people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although I've been writing my whole life, I don't identify as a writer. It's never come easily to me to just sit down. For example, even Marketing Pivot. Yeah. I loved doing podcasts. It was so fun to jump on a podcast and either for my Pivot podcast or to be a guest on other shows like yours. But when it came to writing, even if it was writing an article for Fast Company or some really prestigious site, I would procrastinate. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I felt like I was completely spent from working on the book, whereas my friend Dory Clark, for example, she could churn out two, three articles a week. No problem.
0: Yes. I'm more on your side of the fence than on Dory's. as it turns out. I have some friends as well that's like, yeah, that's my thing. It's no big deal. I can do that with my eyes closed. I'm super curious, though, because you haven't always been doing this. You haven't always been keynote speaking. You haven't always been marketing new programs and things along those lines and helping people in a variety of different ways. So where did this all start for you? Let's go way back.
1: Interestingly enough, when you say I haven't always, even when I was a kid, I would make my brother play school. So whatever I was learning in school, I would make worksheets for him. Oh, really? Instead of playing house or any imaginary games, we would play school or we would play business. And he's two and a half years younger. Yeah. So even in those early days, I really loved learning, kind of getting to understand something and then teaching it. And in the business, I always loved creating things. And even I started a family newspaper when I was 10 which I carried out all through high school, all the way up until I graduated high school. It was called the monthly dig up. And even there, <laughs> Love I it. loved seeing what's out there, curating information and stories and technology trends. And I charged money. I think subscriptions were $5 just to cover printing and postage. But that was kind of my early form of blogging if before blogging was a thing.
0: So wait a minute. The people outside the family were reading this too. For the family I would newspaper, say
1: extended or extended family and friends, ah. so cousins, uncles, godparents, and then parents, friends. It was about fifty people by the time the subscriber reached. By the uh, time it was done, fifty awesome. household. Yeah, it was really fun.
0: <laughs> oh, so then what happened from there? Post family newspaper and post high school. Where did that end up leading you to? As you got out of high school and began moving on.
1: I thought that I was going to be a journalist. And so in high school, I was the California Journalist of the Year, top four finalists in the country. And my first pivot in life was getting rejected from every journalism program that I applied to out of high school. So of course, know that it was a pivot at the time, but I just felt like, what on earth? This is the thing I had been planning to do. I was the editor in chief of my high school paper. What do you mean I just got rejected from Columbia, Tufts, Northwestern? I mean, every program. So yeah. I ended up getting into UCLA, which I was very excited about, even though I planned to go to school on the East Coast. And I wrote for the Daily Bruin for a year and then just realized, you know what? Maybe I can broaden my horizons beyond journalism. And deadlines were stressful. I noticed that everyone in the editorial staff had completely failing grades. They were exhausted. They were burnt out. <laughs> it just didn't seem that nourishing for me. And so yeah. that was the first thing that I really I had to say no to. And although it was so closely tied to my identity at the time, and then go from there. And so that's when I started studying political science. And that got me my first job at a startup with one of my professors when I was still at UCLA. And it kind of everything happened from there. And then, of course, blogging and writing the books brings back the journalism skills just in a different way.
0: Yes. Yes. Notice some recurring themes and patterns here, just from what I know about your story, too. So you went to the startup. Why did you and got you that job? But there's probably other things you could have done too. Why did you end up taking that versus anything else?
1: That opportunity came at the start of my junior year. Uh-huh. So I wasn't even looking for full-time jobs yet. I, was, I had been interning at Rock the Vote for a little while, which I enjoyed tremendously. But it's not like I was exploring all my options and what should I do for a career. This just kind of fell out of the sky. And it happened, the company happened to be in my hometown of Palo Alto. So I just decided, well, now or never, like I'm going to take a leave of absence from school. Why not go be the first employee there? And it's in my hometown. I can stay at my mom's house while I get things figured out. And I did that. I moved home and my friends were kind of like, what are you thinking? You know, you have 60 years to work. Why would you cut your college experience short? But I learned so much at that startup. And I later went back to finish and graduate with my class because I was ahead in school anyway. Yeah. But the startup was so fun. I mean, as employee number one and watching and helping it grow to 30 people, I got to wear like five hats, marketing director, webmaster, office manager. And that then set the foundation for why I started Life After College, the website and later the book because I wanted to help other 20 somethings who felt as lost as I was because I was entering the working world before any of my friends and I didn't know what it was all about, what to wear, how to save money, how to pick a health care plan. Like there was so much that confused me at that time.
0: All of the decisions that go along with, (laughs) well, yeah, aptly named life after college. As it turns out.
1: (laughs) Exactly right. My first tagline was no one said it was easy. (laughs) That was my first tagline. And then later I realized maybe that's a little pessimistic. And I changed it to like, what was it? Something like wake up, live big, love the journey. That's what it then became.
0: That's what I was going to ask. What are the ones that didn't work out prior to life after college? That's (laughs) perfect. Where does Google fit into this?
1: after two years at the startup, felt like I was hitting a plateau there. And I was too young to really know how to talk about that with the founder. So my first and last career conversation was me giving two weeks notice, which I regret. (laughs) I mean, to this day, my work is dedicated to helping people have career conversations. And I had been managing our Google AdWords accounts at the startup and I pivoted to become an AdWords product trainer at Google. And so I trained over 1000 people in my first year there. And that really was, had my long-term goal in mind of being an author and a speaker someday. And even though I used to get turned bright red when I would have to speak in front of a group, I knew that if I took this job at Google, it would set me up for what I wanted to do later on. And it definitely has.
0: How did you identify at that point that that was what you wanted to do later on? What took place for you to be able to settle on
1: that? It's a great question. There was never just wasn't a question. It was more about when could I be an author? I thought maybe in my 50s or something like what does a 20 something have to say about anything? But then the life after college idea felt within my grasp what I could do. And I was assembling tips, quotes and questions. So it wasn't just for me. It was kind of what's all the wisdom that's out there. And I'll break it down for people. So even then I saw myself as a curator, not like the end all be all expert at the ripe old age of 25. Even as a kid just loved creating things. I don't know who I first saw to get the idea of being a keynote speaker. It wasn't Tony Robbins, although I was reading a lot of personal developments. I think even Dan Pink was one of the first that I saw and just seeing authors come to Google. And I don't know something about it, but it was before I went to Google that I had that urge. So I can't say, I just know that I've always been very clear. And especially since I left Google six years ago, I just haven't looked back. I had a hunch at that time, that doing this full time would be what I wanted. And it's just there hasn't been one second of one day that I regretted leaving, even though I loved my time there.
0: That's so interesting in a variety of different ways. First of all, what I heard out of that or what I took out of that was, hey, you've clearly identified some pieces even very early on for what you wanted to do. Then it was more a case of how it's going to become a real possibility. And it sounds like, I'm going to call it stair steps, like stair step type, type events happen. Like one thing led to life after college. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything else appeared that much closer as you were going through some of the work there. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm making the assumption you're not 50 now. <laughs> <laughs> True. I'm 33.
1: Yeah. At the time of this recording.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at one point in time, you thought maybe some of this will happen at at 50 and
1: clearly it didn't. Exactly. It's, I think sometimes we're waiting for permission for someone to say, okay, you're qualified now. And I certainly was too. Even when I set up the Life After College website, I set it up in 2005 and I started blogging in 2007. And I remember the fear of just, oh gosh, who am I to put my ideas out there? Who am I to raise my hand and say, I have something to say. But And the same with the book. But then you realize, who are we waiting for and why? And to think that, yeah, of course, sometimes getting an advanced degree or more education or more experience is a good thing, 100%. Things like going to coach training school, I firmly believe in it. And at the same time, how can you start right where you are? How can you start without any permission at all or silence those voices that say, you're not good enough. You're not ready. You're too young. You're too old. You're too dumb. You're too smart. Like, I'm sure we all have them. And the key is to hear them know that they're going to come up anytime you're doing something really important or significant and keep going.
0: So let's talk about that for a minute then, as far as how people can actually do that. Because one of the questions that we get emailed constantly has to do with this And it's that, well, I think that I want to do this thing that, you know, whatever it might be. I think that I want to write. I think that I want to you know move into environmental. I think that I want to, or I know that I want to, but I don't consider it a real possibility for me for one reason or another. And essentially Mm -hmm. what I have taken from, I don't know, probably like a thousand of those type of emails is that we are essentially waiting for permission or don't quite see how we can have permission or how it could be possible.
1: Yeah, that we live in a nonlinear universe that anything can happen at any time. And if anytime you find yourself saying, well, only if then, or only when this happens, then I can do X, Y, Z, that I always, always stop and question it. It may end up to be true somehow, but most of the time there are ways around it or there are ways to start a smaller version of that from right where you are so anytime we're putting a limitation but i just don't think that's possible i mean i'm dating and living with a painter he's a full-time artist and a painter yeah. most people would say you can't earn a living that way and that's true there are a lot of uh, starving artists or <laughs> starving painters out there but it's something we often talk about but like why does that have to be you if you put some intention behind it and some strategy. And of course, everyone, I believe, has a different soul blueprint and kind of path in this world. So it's not to say that just because you want it, you're guaranteed to be Jeff Koons and make a zillion dollars either. But why listen just because society or some concept that we have that's outdated says, oh, you can't do that, or you can't earn a living doing that.
2: I'm an engineer who was living in Portland, Oregon, and was moving up to Seattle, Washington to support my wife's career change.
0: Remember Michael? We already told you that he'd made some career changes before, but this one in particular,
2: it was different. A lot of the folks I talked to using sort of my normal channels were often saying, hey, we'd love to have somebody like you on the team. Unfortunately, we just let three or four people just like you go because there's not enough work to go around anymore.
0: Michael realized that this was not an opportunity for a change in location.
2: This could be not just a lateral move from one city to another, but it could have the opportunity to be a promotion as well. Leading projects to potentially leading teams of technical people. And that has sort of been where I wanted to be for a long time.
0: As we worked with him, he began to explore a much bigger picture.
2: It wasn't just about finding a job. It was about... Finding my place in a community and being able to show folks that I wasn't there just to just to find something. I was interested in our conversation beyond the Mike needs a place to land in Seattle.
0: He put in the work to really connect with people and made it happen.
2: As we're speaking now, I'm sitting in my new apartment, having unpacked most of it in a gap week between when I left my old job and when I'm starting my new job.
0: Congratulations to Michael on finding work he loves that fits his family's needs. If you also want to figure out what work fits you and find that fulfilling career that lights you up and gives you purpose, find out how coaching can help you step-by-step. Go to HappenToYourCareer.com and click on coaching to apply or pause right now and text MYCOACH to 44222. Again, you can just pause right now and we'll send over the application. Text MYCOACH to 44222.
2: And what was wonderful about working with the happen to your career team was that I was able to learn so much about how to go from good to great in that, that career transition.
0: I almost feel like when you get to that situation that you've described where you're saying, if I only had, or if I only had the time, or if I only, you know, had the four year degree or whatever else it might be, first of all. Having that be a trigger point for you to stop and say, yeah, there's probably another way to do this. Absolutely love that concept. But then from there, if that's something that you want, I almost feel like it's an obligation to yourself to explore that in one way, shape or form or another. Otherwise, I don't know that borderlines into knowing that you're going to set yourself up for regrets later. And for myself, I can't fathom going down a road where you know that you're going to set yourself up for regrets.
1: Right. In my book, I talk about how we don't have FOMO, we have font, fear of not trying. So the bigger regret would be that if we weren't to try, that's selling ourselves short before we ever even have a chance. I don't know about you, Scott, but anyone listening, I would rather try and fail and know that I tried and keep going. And of course, failure stings. It's not fun, especially if money is associated and you lose money doing something. But so what? At least, you know, you tried, at least you can live with yourself. Whereas what you said, not taking any steps toward that thing you feel called to do can become soul crushing.
0: Soul crushing, I think is the right word for that. (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. So let's talk about what people can actually do about that. Then in your book, you describe some actual strategies to be able to move through this. I'm going to call it a process. But also, you know, for people that are starting in that place where they already have an inclination or a clue or something to be able to hold on to and are evaluating it from a, if I only had this, then I could do that type situation. And they've got those triggers. Like, what do they do then? How can they go from that space to being able to get to a place where they can begin to make it happen?
1: Yeah. Well, this was where I really got stuck. I had left Google. I was a year and a half into running my own business. And I just did not want to be, I'd become known on podcasts and in interviews as the girl who left Google and the girl who left college. So everything I was talking about was just leaving things. (laughs) And that wasn't that inspiring to me. And I wondered like, who am I? What do I stand for? What's next? How can I help people? How can I create an impact? What can I build a meaningful body of work around? And I really struggled. And the thing that kept me struggling to the point where my bank account balance dwindled down to zero was focusing so much on what I didn't know, what I didn't have and what I didn't want. And it wasn't until I had to solve this question or go get another job or leave New York, neither of which I wanted to do, that I realized, and this analogy of a basketball player came to me that when a basketball player stops dribbling, they plant one foot, that's their source of strength, stability, their foundation, and then they can scan for passing options with their pivot foot. So for somebody who is currently scanning and just getting discouraged by what they can't do and what's not going to work, I encourage you to go back to that plant foot and say, what is already working? What am I already great at? In what small, tiny way am I already doing this? And what does success look like? If I were to attempt this new thing, where would I want to end up in a year? And that can be really inspiring and motivating to push through some of the fear that you described, Scott. And then from that place, look for related So don't stretch too far. As much as I used to adopt the motto, like take great leaps, you know, now I'm actually more pragmatic, like, especially when I'm the one footing the bill for all this searching. Sure, It's more connecting to based on what you already know and right where you already are. What are some small experiments that you can run? Tiny ones, take the pressure off to have the answer. Maybe if someone wants to write a book, you're writing for 15 minutes a day. That's it. Or 15 minutes a week. There's no reason to wait until you have all the time in the world and all the financial resources. I think a lot of people even think to themselves, well, if only I didn't have this stupid day job, then I could do a trillion things. But actually, the constraints that a job puts while footing the bill, while incubating these side projects and ideas is quite valuable. And those creative constraints on time are helpful because I'll tell you, the times where I've gone to a week-long romantic-sounding retreat in the woods to write, I don't even flick open the computer. I am just like paralyzed by the abundance of time. So I realized to stop holding myself back, waiting to have all the time in the world for things.
0: That's so interesting. First of all, did you play basketball?
1: I did, but only in seventh grade. I then moved on to softball and volleyball.
0: Okay. That that still counts. (laughs) And second of all, I love that analogy. Because I believe it helps break it down quite a bit. Obviously, it helps break it down, right? Thanks, Scott. State the obvious. But what I particularly like about it is that so many of us do get stuck in what you call the scanning phase. And a lot of people that are listening to this show right now that are HTYCers out there, that's where a lot of you are. And what I would love to do in this case is push you a little bit, Jenny, on a couple of these areas in terms of for somebody who is in that scanning phase what are two or three strategies that they could use right now to be able to be able to move into the next phase and be able to get them out of the dang scanning?
1: (laughs) Totally. Again, just to be in scanning doesn't mean you spent enough time looking at what's already working and what success looks like a year from now. Yeah. So, counterintuitively, the number one thing you can do if you're stuck in analysis, paralysis, or compare and despair of scanning is refocus on yourself, who you are, what does success look like a year from now, really paint that picture. And I have on my website an ideal day mad lib that I think is a really fun way to just dig into this of just Be so detailed with what time you wake up, who you're surrounded by, what type of work you're doing, how much you're earning, what kind of impact you want to make. What are you learning and growing? How are you growing? And then scanning is about people, skills and projects. So people who is already doing what you want to do. Who can you connect with? Who are some friends that you could set up friend tour relationships with for accountability? Is that what you just said? Exactly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that. I love that.
1: And because friend have been so valuable to me. And there's yeah. another place where people put pressure to find a mentor. But when really just accountability with your friends can go such a long way. And skills, how do you want to grow? Inevitably, if you're at a pivot point, it's likely that you have room to grow. And that's what's exciting. That's what we all live for at the end of the day is learning and growing and feeling challenged. And then projects and also making yourself discoverable. So If you're scanning and you're super clear, at least generally, where you want to end up, it may be the case that just nobody knows that you're looking. So I have on my website, too, like a network email, Madlib, where you fill in the blanks. Regardless of my stuff, it's just about the reason I created that was I had so many clients where they would get to a point in their searching. It became time to email their network and say, Hey, friends and family, I'm at a pivot point. Here's a little bit of what I'm up to. This is what I'm looking to do. These are my strengths. This is the type of organization I'm looking for. Or if you're working for yourself, these are the types of clients I'm looking for. Here's what I do. Here's what we can do together. And that helps make yourself discoverable think about Bluetooth devices. It's so important. You've, you've got to be discoverable so people know that you're looking and what you're looking for. And even things like blogging or what I call public original thinking, you don't have to have a blog, but can you post content? Can you demonstrate expertise somewhere in a public way so that people come to you and line up for you rather than the other way around?
0: That is awesome for a variety of different ways.
1: <laughs> I'm it, here yet. Yeah. Thank you. We
0: blipped out for a second. Josh, you can cut that out in post-production. The uh, perfect day exercise. What are a few things on your perfect day? Super curious.
1: Yeah, I call it ideal day. Just I'm like super weird with the word perfect because in a way every day is perfect, right? Because we're breathing and... Exactly. Yeah. So ideal, and I like even the concept of ideal average day because ideal day might be like, I'm vacationing in Tahiti with the pina colada in my hand. So ideal average day for me includes, as I had today, I feel fortunate to have had, wake up, sleep in, no alarm, roll out of bed, meditate 20 minutes, have tea and read. And I give myself permission to read for as long, pretty much as I want. I'll maybe start answering email about an hour before my calls start. But I love feeding my brain something interesting in the morning and like getting inspired by ideas. And even this morning, I was reading a book about how to look at art. It's not like it has to do with careers or business always necessarily. And then some amount of strategic work and projects, building something. I love building things. And then connecting with friends later in the day is nice. And also exercise. If I could fit all of that in and eat healthily, that's a win.
0: Very cool. I actually have (laughs) a copy of My Perfect Day on a bulletin board, like right behind the screen that I'm looking at right now. Oh,
1: that's so cool. What's on yours?
0: A couple of different things. One is I've had this fascination with getting to the point where I am working out four hours a day. So I'm not there yet. Fascinating. Yeah. What would you do in that workout? It wouldn't be one workout. So recently I've started a couple of different things. So I do parkour and strength training and now I've layered in stand-up paddleboarding every single morning. So,
1: Love it. That's so awesome. How relaxing and challenging.
0: Yeah. So like this morning I woke up at four forty-five and at 5 a.m., went stand up paddleboarding, watch the sunrise on the lake, which we live about 300 feet away from the lake. So it's easy to just go down and throw the board in. But yeah, so a few things like that. And then some other pieces in terms of how I spend my day. And interestingly enough, your piece on fascination with big ideas, that's something that we have in common. So that is how I enjoy spending a portion of my day, at least every day Mm. in one way or another.
1: That's so cool. Yeah, I realized the output is less important to me that part of the reason I was hitting my last pivot year slash crisis, total yeah. complete breakdown was I had a book, I had a blog, I had courses, but it, there was no big idea that I really, really believed in. And that's actually how I realized how important it was that I just became super clear that a big original as original as possible. Ideas are vital, like my oxygen for my career.
0: Oh my goodness. It's so interesting because I swung both sides. So when you were working at Google and building this on the side, I was doing the same type of thing. And every single day I was reading and listening to podcasts and doing all of these other things to have those inputs. And then I swung the opposite way when I took my business full time. And it was a case of, wow, I don't feel like I have time to read a book. And you know, I went for months without reading a book and then I cut out podcasts cause I didn't have a commute anymore. You know, I was working from the front portion of our house, and I realized that I was missing that, and it was stunting a few different things. It's stunting some of the our business growth, but it's also stunting me in terms of what I wanted. And I was missing some of those pieces that I really loved about being exposed to big ideas and ultimately creating and acting on big ideas too. So. Totally. Oh, my goodness. Been on both sides.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting how just because we quit a job doesn't mean you can't become your own worst boss. (laughs) So it is interesting how no matter what your work structure is, it's so easy to say, oh, I don't have time. I do this, too. I don't have time to exercise or meditate or read books like there's no time for that when really those are the things that are so energizing and recharging. Everything else. Yeah. fuel everything. Yeah. I'm with you.
0: Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I feel like we could talk for hours about this. (laughs) Totally. But I am super curious about a couple other things too that you mentioned. First of all, did you come up with the friend tour?
1: No, I came up with it. And then as with many things in my book, I would Google certain concepts that I thought like, yes, I just came up with this great idea. And then of course, it's like someone has used this term Uh before, but I pretty much feel that at least it was a simultaneous innovation type situation (laughs) because I will tell you, it's really crazy to write a book with access to so much information because every time I thought I was coming up with something unique or original that truly came from my brain, but then if I would Google or research, stuff was already out there. So there was just so much that it was kind of discouraging. It was different than the first time around where I didn't quite feel like, wow, every day an article's coming out that says the exact same thing as my book. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling, that discouraging slash frustrating feeling. I was like, Oh, this is great. Came up with this and then ten minutes later realized that. Right, seven other people have already. There's
1: so much information. That's why story is so important, personal story, because information, Derek Sivers is the one that said, like, if information is not the problem, otherwise we would all have six pack abs and a million dollars in the bank. So it's not information alone. And I had to remind myself that too. It's actually sharing struggles and challenges and stories and how your brain uniquely solves problems that
0: moves things forward. Absolutely. So on the friend tour then, What does somebody look for in a friend tour? Give us a few different pieces. How do I know that they're actually going to be a good friend tour for me? I'm going to say friend tour as many times as I can because I'm fascinated by the.
1: (laughs) I love it. Look for someone who you are both genuinely excited to get together. And when you do get together, you can barely stop talking that you have a mutual love of resources and brainstorming. And you don't even have to have the same goals, but just be excited about supporting each other. And holding each other accountable and having weekly calls or biweekly or once a month and just somebody who you resonate with someone who, yes, they're a friend. But what makes them a friend tour is that they also have great ideas, give great advice, connect you to people. So there you can benefit each other in many ways beyond just someone to kind of kick back and relax, let's say.
0: I love it. And I didn't have a name for it until this moment, but this is something that's been a huge benefit in my life and business. And now I've got a title for it. Thank you so much for that, Jenny. Appreciate it.
1: I love it. I'm so glad. I know it's, it's such an untapped resource and it's free as opposed to signing up for masterminds or coaching. And of course we both run coaching businesses. Yeah. Like I'm all for it, but why not have a coach and a friend tour or a friend or mastermind group at that?
0: Oh my goodness, it can be such a compliment to any work that you're doing with a coach or any work that you're doing many other places.
1: Totally. And then you can share what you're learning from your coaches. So that's kind of fun too. Like, oh, my coach had the best question for me this week or piece of advice. Or in one of my mastermind groups, we would come and say, what have you learned in the last two weeks? Like, did you attend any conferences or read any books? So it was just such a great shortcut to knowledge
0: absolutely agree. This is super cool. This has been a fascinating conversation. And I very much appreciate you taking the time and making the time. I know that I think we've been coordinating this between my travel schedule and your schedule for like five or six months now. I want to say,
1: <laughs> Yes, probably. I know I took a big post launch after the book came out. I was like, and I need a break now. So I thought I would need like two weeks off and it turned into three or four months, but
0: I'm back now. So I'm really glad we can do this too. Absolutely. Thank you again for making the time. For people that want interested in more Ginny Blake, where can they get more Ginny Blake?
1: The best place is at pivotmethod.com slash toolkit. There's a ton of free templates and resources for everything we talked about today. And then if there are any side hustlers or solopreneurs out there, I have a private community called Momentum and I do Q&A calls twice a month and there's a great Facebook group and we do workshops every month. So it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to just keep in touch in an ongoing way.
0: Very cool. I would head on over there and check it out. I've had your stuff shared with me from so many HTYCers out there. So I had it shoved in my face, but started looking at it and have just been really impressed with what you've put out into the world. So would absolutely encourage you to go over, check out anything put out by Jenny, get the book. The book is pivot, and where can people pick that up as well? Anywhere books
1: are sold at Amazon as well. It's there's a couple pivot books. So just search for Pivot Jenny Blake.
0: Awesome. Hey, thanks again and really really appreciate it
1: thank you so much scott and big thanks for everybody who's here listening
0: hey thanks so much i hope you absolutely enjoyed that conversation with jenny she was absolutely fantastic and lisa who you've heard on on our podcast several different times and works with us as a coach and also our director of our career change bootcamp program. She has also, she's actually the one who introduced me to Jenny. And as it turns out, I'm glad she did. So if you are finding that you need help getting your career search started or need a little more direction before you start scanning for your next career path, then we've got something to absolutely get you moving down that path. Go ahead and text my strengths to 44222. You can just stop this right now, actually. Um, Just push pause, you know, and text my strengths. That's my strengths to 44222. And what we'll do is we'll send over our ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. And that'll help you understand how to go through and even do some of this scanning process that we talked about earlier. All right. We'll see you over there. And by the way, thank you so much for subscribing hitting the subscribe button on on iTunes or the podcast player of your choice and even having this show up in your sleep so you don't even have to worry about it but more so than that taking the time to give us a review at iTunes give us a review at Stitcher and I've got another five stars, by the way, from CJ Thomas, who said, just started listening and finding the guest stories quite inspiring. Looking forward to much more. Thank you so much. And thank you, CJ. Really appreciate it. All right. Take a listen to what we have coming up next week on Happened Your Career. It is quite possibly one of my favorite, favorite interviews that I've ever done and it's it's actually somebody that we had the opportunity to work with and she just has an absolutely amazing story take a listen to what's next week with Tanya Malcolm Ravel
2: the job searches were pretty much
1: leading me I I was very overwhelmed and i very scattered throughout my searches not really knowing where to focus or how to focus so I'm getting more and more frustrated throughout the entire process And then, of course, as I'm looking at the calendar, all of a sudden, a week has gone by, two weeks have gone by, and now then a month, and then two months, three months. And I was getting very bummed out, (laughs) to say the least.
0: All that and plenty more next week on Happened to Your Career with the story with Tanya. And I think you're going to absolutely love it. I believe that nearly everyone that listens to it will be able to identify with her story and just be excited and take a ton of away from it for how to actually make a really big life change. All right. We'll see you then. Until then, adios, I'm out.